So, Pete, would you be considered a sweet tooth? Would I consider myself a sweet tooth? Yes. Well, um, I would say a little bit of, uh, I would say yes and no. I'm not one of those guys where you, after dinner, they're like, hey, what's for dessert? <laughs> yeah, or, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. or I would never order a dessert. And I, if somebody offered me cake or sweets or whatever, I probably wouldn't take it. But if there's a bowl of candy on the table or if I'm in a store where there's chocolate bars, I'm, I'm, I just can't get enough of chocolate. Yeah. I've I never been it. known for my self-discipline. That wouldn't. To be something that would be on my uh, Wikipedia page if I had one. <laughs> uh, I've been known to, I have my kryptonites. So, mm-hmm. you know, I've been known to eat a cheesecake, for instance. A, a, a cheesecake? A whole cheesecake? A slice? Or you mean a slice? You, you heard my answer. <laughs> but obviously, we deal with in hypotheticals here at yeah. what if. And yeah. it does sound initially when you say, what if you ate only sugar for a month? Well, that's a wild hypothetical, except for the period where now, which is kind of smack dab in the middle of that time where it's very possible for people to eat sugar every day, which is, of course, the holidays. Yeah, this is when everybody is buying extra chocolate to put on the tables to hand out. People are coming to your door. Here's just here's some chocolate. There's baked goods coming out of the oven seemingly every half hour and bowls of candy on every. It's kind of a great thing. It's actually. a built in excuse, yeah. is it, yeah. which we love. So as a public service that uh, we are doing for the what if community, we thought we would ask. What if you ate only sugar for a month? And of course, that isn't something that most people would have a lot of knowledge about. And you would really want to talk to somebody who's who's really done a lot of research around the specific issue of sugar. So we are very fortunate to be joined by the New York Times bestselling author of The Case Against Sugar, Gary Taubes. Gary, thanks for joining us today on What If Discussed. Yeah. Gentlemen, thank you for having me. So... Uh, as we talked about, pros and cons of a 30-day sugar diet. I, I'm going to guess there's not a lot of pros. <laughs> we'll get to that in a second. But let's get back to the seminal book, The Case Against Sugar. What was your ultimate conclusion? Was sugar guilty? Well, you, I mean, why write the book if you don't think so? Um, and I copped to that in the beginning. The argument I'm making in the book, so, I mean, we've never had a period of our history where you know, for instance, parents didn't think they had a ration their their children's sugar consumption, right? So it's always, there's always been this concept of too much sugar has always been out there. But what does too much sugar do was the question. And what I'm addressing particularly is we have epidemics of obesity and diabetes worldwide. Whenever any population in the world transitioned from a uh, whatever their traditional diet is, it could be anything from an agrarian diet in Southeast Asia to a animal diet with the Inuit and the, you know, Maasai in Africa, and they transition to eating Western diets, they get obese and diabetic. You have explosions of obesity and diabetes. And the argument is that what happens is they just eat too much and they become sedentary. And that's why you get these epidemics. And the the counter argument is that it's sugar, particularly that causes it, not because of the calories in the sugar, but because of the, you could think of it as the hormonal effects of consuming sugar, the way your body responds to sugar differently than other foods. And, you know, I just was lucky as a journalist or unlucky as a journalist, I get to spend about 10 years of my life studying this question. 
And it's clear that sugar should be considered uniquely harmful. And, and the way I put it, if I was a district attorney, I, I could get an indictment effortlessly. I'm not sure I could get a conviction because we've never actually done the studies that would allow you to say what I believe without, you know, with, without reasonable doubt. Well, yeah, like you, like you say, it does seem to be a bit of an open and shut case. But if the jury is still out on sugar, it's ultimately because of the inability to get more than circumstantial evidence against the sweet stuff. Why is that? Well, the conventional wisdom, again, is that the problem with sugar is we just eat too much of it. To empty calories, you've all heard that phrase, right? It's got empty mm -hmm. calories, so if you have a lot of sugar in your diet, you have to get the vitamins and minerals and protein and fiber and essential fatty acids from other foods, so then you're going to overeat those, and you're going to get obese, and once you get obese, that's going to you know, uh, be the trigger of your of diabetes. So there's this whole mindset in the book, I refer to it as the gift that keeps on giving, which is the reason you get fat is because you eat too much. You take in more calories than you expend. And the worst you could say about sugar is that we like it too much. We're going to take a quick break here on what if discussed uh, more with the author of The Case Against Sugar, Gary Taubes. On the other side, you are watching and listening to What If Discussed. We want to take just a moment to tell you about today's sponsor, The Great Courses Plus. A streaming service we're both really big on. Yeah, that's right. We've been watching and learning a lot during the pandemic. I've been looking into a new course they've got online called Mathematical Brain Teasers and Logic Puzzles. You know, I love learning about other languages or like, you know, about Ireland or photography was another one that I did. But also sometimes I just want to stretch my brain out and uh, go for a workout on my brain. Yeah, good. The old brain workout. I'm a big puzzle person. Love the jumble. Love the crossword. Sudoku? No, not so much. Why not? It's just I'm not a math person. It's not math. It's just, it's one to nine. I'm not a smart person. I'll give you some tips. I've got some tips for you uh, on Sudoku. Regardless, The Great Courses Plus has thousands of lectures on almost any topic imaginable, from astrophysics to learning to speak Spanish. And new courses are coming up all the time. There's something for everyone. Plus, every course is presented by experts from top universities and institutions. And you can watch or listen from your phone or your TV with the Great Courses Plus app. Which helps me prepare for what if discussed. So for instance, today we were talking about what if you ate sugar for a month yeah. straight. So where do I do my research? GreatCoursesPlus.com. How Sugar and Salt Shape World History, lecture number 12 from the course, Food, Science, and the Human Body. They got everything here. I'm glad you're doing all the research for this because... Somebody's got to, Peter. It does make a difference. The Great Courses Plus is offering fans of our show this amazing deal, an entire month of access free. This limited time offer won't last long. Sign up today. Go to thegreatcoursesplus.com slash what if. Don't wait. Go to thegreatcoursesplus.com slash what if. One more time, it's thegreatcoursesplus.com slash what if. Now back to the show. So, Gary, you sort of outlined what happens to the body when you eat sugar, what uh, goes on inside you with all those oses happening. Uh, but what if you only ate sugar for one month, for 30 days? That's our what if this week. Uh, what would happen, Gary? I can't imagine you'd be in great shape after 30 days. If you're only eating sugar... You're not getting the vitamins, you're not getting the minerals, you're not getting the essential fatty acids that you need, you're not getting the protein that you need. Um, we could debate whether or not you need fiber in the diet, but we probably won't go there at the moment. Um, so I'm going to guess that within a reasonably short time, you're going to die. The question is, can you survive 
30 days. Yeah, and we don't recommend you try this at home unless, obviously, you're part of that experiment that Gary's talking about. Um, Gary, we want to talk about a whole bunch more, especially a big part of, you know, the case against sugar was was outlining how science was used or misused, let's say that, to be able to make the case for sugar and against fat. Um, We'll get to that on the uh, on the other side of the audio version. But this I don't know. I'm just speculating that the research and going down this particular rabbit hole for years uh, got you to better understand nutrition in general. Hence, the case for keto, your new book. Is that kind of how you arrived there? It's about 90 clinical trials in process right now, testing the ketogenic diet on virtually every ailment you could imagine, because often it works very well when they do these tests on beginning with childhood epilepsy, but, you know, obesity and diabetes and uh, I mean, there are studies looking at it for depression and, and cognitive disorders and you name it, they're there. So anyway, that's sort of the, my first book, Good Calories, Bad Calories in the United States, looked at all of this history and all of this bad science and proposed this idea that the problem with modern diets is these British nutritionists believe is the carbohydrate content, the refined grains and sugars, which has now kind of been a accepted and fat was benign and when you restrict the carbs and you allow people to eat fat now you're eating a ketogenic diet and there's a huge movement actually particularly in canada there's a facebook group in canada i use this to sort of quantify how many physicians have bought into this so a facebook group in canada of women physicians who eat low carb high fat diets and there's about 40,000 women physicians in Canada, and there's about 4,000 on this Facebook group, which suggests that one in 10 women physicians in Canada alone have embraced a way of eating that until very recently was considered virtually malpractice to prescribe to your patients. Well, the case for keto is being made, let's say that. And that book is available uh, right now as of what? I think a couple of days ago. Yeah. So if you are somebody, if, if you're somebody that's been considering a keto diet or certainly somebody wants to understand just more about health and eating, highly recommend Gary's book, uh, The Case for Keto. Gary, can you stick around for a few more questions? Sure. Sure. Absolutely. Okay, great. Amazing. If you want to hear more from investigative science journalist and best-selling author Gary Taubes, Click on the link below and you can listen to the full audio podcast of the show. If you're already listening to us, well, we'll be back right after the break. Gary, where can people uh, learn more about what you're doing right now? Uh, Well, I have a website that I don't keep up, (laughs) GaryTalbs.com. And every time I have a new book that comes out, my you know, friends say, you've really got to put more information on your website. Um, I tweet to Gary Tow at Gary Taubes, and uh, those would be the two primary places. You know, the book is available everywhere fine books are sold, which is Amazon and, as far as I can tell, three bookstores that are still open. <laughs> Good one. Well, for those of you who are ready to come along with us on this sweet ride some more, click on the link below. And if uh, you're done with us for today, well, thanks for joining us on What If Discussed. Welcome back to What If Discussed. We are with Gary Taubes, the author of the game-changing book, 
the case against sugar, which was, you know, uh, made a lot of waves four years ago when it came out and obviously pertains to our discussion today of what if you ate only sugar for a month. Uh, Gary is also the author of the new book that's out now, The Case for Keto. You know, we talked about on the other side why keto has sort of become not just accepted more than a fad, more than a diet, but essentially medically approved healthy way of eating. How does this sort of align with some of the older myths, let's say, of, you know, cholesterol, of, you know, fat versus sugar, of meat versus vegan is keto, would you say, does your research demonstrate that this is, quote unquote, the healthiest way to eat? Yeah, that's a complicated one, surprisingly. The reason keto has taken, so keto used to be known as Atkins. Basically, the, the, you can find a ketogenic diet or a low carb. So a ketogenic diet is a diet that, that more or less rigidly abstains, restricts the carbohydrates. So starches, grains, and sugars are out. And you're eating green leafy vegetables and you can do this as a vegetarian or vegan way. It's very, it's kind of difficult. So traditionally it's green leafy vegetables and animal source products. So meat, fish, fowl, dairy. Um, it goes against most of the fundamental beliefs of the modern nutrition community. So the first one is uh People get fat if they eat too much. So a diet that doesn't restrict how much people eat is going to make them fatter. And then the second sort of pillar of modern nutrition is dietary fat causes heart disease, particularly saturated fat. So a diet that advocates not just sort of meat, fish, and fowl, but fatty meat, fish, and fowl is going to give people heart disease. And then the third pillar is this idea that we should be eating mostly plants and that uh, red meat and processed meat are the sort of primary evils in modern diets, and they're certainly bad for the environment. So when uh, these diets were really popularized in the 1960s, as obesity levels started combing up, this is sort of one of the revelations. Uh, as people started getting fatter, people were getting fatter who fatten easily, to use a 1950s-era diet book term. People who fatten easily are people for whom the conventional wisdom doesn't work, right? So they're people, if they try to eat less and exercise more, they just get hungry and they can't keep it up. So eventually, as you get more and more people struggling with obesity, you get more and more people looking for alternative solutions other than just eat less and get out, you know, and run more often. And those people, you know, used to be they'd have to buy diet books. Now you get on the Internet and Google keto. But eventually they will get to, they'll find something that either works or they'll give up. And more often than not, what works for them is a ketogenic diet. And I, I mentioned during the break that there's a huge movement in Canada of physicians advocating for these, this way of eating. And all these physicians went through the same experience. Actually, Malcolm Gladwell, in precisely this context, in uh, one of the first articles he ever did for the New Yorker, which was on obesity, called it a conversion experience. And he used it as a way to sort of playfully make fun of diet book doctors, or maybe not that playfully, because they'll all say, look, I was getting fatter, I'm getting diabetic, or I had this disease and nothing, the conventional wisdom didn't work. So I dragged myself back to the medical school library and I buried myself in the basement and I came out with this secret and it worked for me. And then I tried on my patients and it worked for my patients. And now I'm going to tell it to you in my book and I'm going to charge $15.99 and maybe sell supplements at the end. Um, the problem is this kind of experience is exceedingly common. And if you don't have it, 
it's very hard to ever get yourself away from the conventional thinking. So think about it. If you're a lean, healthy physician and you're doing, eating the sort of traditional healthy diet, which is fruits, vegetables, whole grains, legumes, you know, beans and pulses, and then a little bit of meat and a little bit of fish. Um, if you're lean already, then it works for you. There's nothing to learn. But if you're eating that diet and you're getting fatter anyway, which is something that happens to a lot of us, then you start thinking, well, geez, I can't blame my fat accumulation on uh, not paying attention or not doing the right thing because I know I'm doing the right thing. So maybe I'm missing something or maybe the advice is wrong. And for my latest book, I interviewed about 120 physicians of the tens of thousands out there who had all gone through the same experience. So you started looking for something else. Some of them had tried vegan diets for months or years. Many of them had been vegetarians. They all exercised. Some of them had been world-class athletes who found themselves getting fatter or pre-diabetic or diabetic. Eventually, they hit on this low-carb, high-fat diet, keto, and it fixed them, for lack of a better word. It made them healthy. And then they tried it on their patients, and it made their patients leaner and healthy. And then they become sort of, then they proselytize, and they become zealots. Because they all went in, they went into medicine to make people healthy. And in this day and age, if you're in family medicine or internal medicine, you're basically managing chronic disease. And the chronic diseases you're managing are all obesity, diabetes, hypertension. They're all related to this condition called insulin resistance. And insulin resistance means your body is resistant to the insulin you're secreting in response to the carbohydrates you're eating. So a potential, uh, potential solution. Gary, uh, let's get back to the white stuff because the white stuff can be very addictive, uh, can lead to binging, addiction, and like anything addictive, uh, it can lead to withdrawal symptoms. And now if you're just joining us now, no, I'm not talking about cocaine, cocaine. <laughs> it, I'm talking about sugar. But uh, Gary, we could be forgiven for confusing the two, couldn't we? Uh, yeah, pretty much. I mean, they're both uh, plants that are relatively benign when chewed <laughs> in their natural state and then become considerably less so when refined down into a white powder that can be easily either snorted or, you know, drank. Yeah, the, the question is, um, in this case, is sugar technically addictive? Um, and it's an interesting way. There was surprising little research done on any of this, in part because of what we talked about, that sugar was considered benign by the nutrition committee, and people studied the effects of eating dietary fat, which they thought was the killer. So nobody, there was one group out there in the U.S. at Princeton studying whether sugar was addictive to laboratory rats and mice. There was a group in France that demonstrated that rats, you could addict a rat to cocaine, or heroin, you can't do these experiments with children, ethical issues, but you can do it with rats and mice. So you addict them to heroin or cocaine, then you give them the option of sugar, water, or continued cocaine or heroin, and the rats would switch to the sugar over the cocaine relatively quickly. Heroin would take them a little while longer, but they would inevitably switch too. So we know these substances are tremendously addictive to rats. Um, as I mentioned earlier, you know, even the people who think sugar is benign won't tell parents not to ration the sugar consumption of their kids. If you have kids, you don't need a scientific study yeah. telling you whether there's something about sugar that takes hold of their brains yeah. and won't let go. I've done that study with the yeah. kids. Yeah. But that's the thing with the science, too, though, Gary, is we talked about it a little bit you know, as before about being misused. We know you talked about those, you know, that sort of 
that period where there, I think, you know, there was three Harvard scientists that were, you know, essentially paid to be able to sort of make the case against fat, you know, with with sort of allowing sugar to sort of escape that scrutiny. And it's not the first time. I mean, you just need to Google uh, you know, cigarette commercials and watch yeah. a few YouTube ads or, or, or ads on YouTube from the 60s of doctors and lab coats, you know, telling you how, you know, is cigarettes help you with energy and vitality? How much did science or how much is science, uh, let's say paid for science, allowed for maybe this 30 year gap in knowledge of, of, of the health benefits of fat versus maybe the, the addictive uh, problems of sugar? Well, I'm going to rephrase that a little bit because what happens is people start suggesting that sugar is a new tobacco and the sugar industry is a new tobacco industry. The tobacco industry had a different challenge. They had to convince the research, the world, that what the scientists were saying was not true. And it wasn't true that cigarettes were addictive or nicotine was addictive. And it wasn't true that cigarettes caused lung disease, lung cancer. The sugar industry had to convince the world that what the scientists were saying was true for sugar. Mm. So the scientists were saying, you get fat because you eat too much. And so it's all about calories. A calorie is a calorie is a calorie. That's the nutritional mantra. And if a calorie is a calorie is a calorie, then sugar is benign. So they had to argue, look, if a calorie is a calorie, if you believe that about everything else, it's true about sugar too. And then the scientists were arguing that dietary fat was what killed everyone not sugar. So when the journalists and the popular, you know, sort of uh, masses were arguing that sugar is bad for you and these British nutritionists, the sugar industry had to step in and pay scientists to say, to stand up and say that what they believed was true for everything else is true for sugar also. Hmm. So it's an entirely different challenge. And that's why I blame the scientific community for getting it wrong. (laughs) If you're the sugar industry and 99% of the nutritionists believe that dietary fat is what kills you should you are you obligated to believe the one percent that thinks you're the problem Hmm. wouldn't be the first time that uh, we saw a shift like that in understanding especially as it pertains to health the book that you do want to check out if you want to know more about sugar if you want to go deeper into uh you know 30 day sugar diets uh you probably want to check check out the case against sugar uh but if you are somebody that's looking for a, a book about your current health situation you want to know more about keto the book is the case for keto it's available where all books are sold online and elsewhere uh gary we really appreciate you taking the time to join yeah. us today thanks for joining us today on what if discussed thanks gary Gentlemen, thank you for having me. So a lot to sort of unpack there from from Gary uh, about sugar. And we also got to talk about everything. We got to talk about healthy eating and kind of where we're at now. Yeah, you know Uh, more about that than I do. Well, I mean, you know, you try to... You, you, you know, obviously, as you get older, you try to you try to do what you can to be able to sort of uh, yeah. mitigate. I'll think about that as I get older. Yes, yes. I'll, well, I'll let <laughs> you, you know. You can let writing, me know. You I'll be writing a book. Blaze that trail. <laughs> um, but, you know, one of the things that I find shocking, really, is that there there hasn't been definitive study. Like, you know, we talked multiple times about the fact that we we can't seem to prove this scientifically. Like, 
I guess, like he's saying, it's like it, as in any other thing, you want to take it in moderation. You can't say sugar's going to yeah, kill yeah. you. It's oh, too much sugar is going to kill you. Same as too many cigarettes or too much, I don't know, too much uh, animal fat or something. Yeah. Like that. It, well, it's interesting because one of the things that stood out to me, probably one of the most pertinent things that stuck out to me that Gary said was how we used to eat sugar, right? And he used the word seasonal, right? So you, whenever you're thinking about yeah. the old hand to mouth era of, of human eating or, you know, uh, evolutionary eras prior to that, even, you know, yes, it was a treat. And you'd go, you'd pick some, and it would only, it wouldn't be available year round, depending on where you lived in the world, but it would be, uh, yeah, it would be a, a rare treat type of thing. And of yeah. course, whatever. Then all of a sudden we live in a time where you can have refined sugar. Every day, three times a day, and not coincidentally, you've seen uh, you've seen a lot of you know uh, an, an uptick in diabetes, obviously, but other things that, and more and more uh, doctors, more and more scientists seem to be zeroing in on sugar. So I don't know if they're going to be able to conduct that seminal research in a thirty day or sixty day period. But it just feels like you know that period when we you know we would have grown up where it was all about fat. Right. And now we're sitting at a yeah. time where people are saying, no, fat's good for you. It's hard to know. Like there's so much information coming at you every single week, every year. It's hard to understand what I'm supposed to be doing. And that's a good point because I, we've been we've been through, you know, there's a lot of people that say, man, every day I, I, you know, I go online, I look around. There's a food that I used to think was good for me is now not. Mm -hmm. And now this other thing is the new superfood. The, the, you know, it's changing all the time. It's like in the end, people are just saying, like, just tell it's me what changing, you do. It's changing and it's always contradictory. Right? Yes. It's not always contradictory, but a lot of the times it's contradictory. One thing we also didn't touch on is the fact that, you know, you, you we're going to eat sugar for 30 days straight as your only meal. Yeah. Um, let's talk about vitamin deficiency, scurvy. Uh, you know, you got, you've got no minerals scurvy. going into your bones. Yes. Scurvy. You it's haven't heard the only, I know of this, but no, I mean, we remember no, it from history. Class. No vitamin C for yes. 30 days. You get scurvy. It's not a good look scurvy. <laughs> I used to think you'd get scurvy from wearing your socks to bed. Yes. But that's gangrene. Oh yes. That's gangrene. <laughs> scurvy, of course, the, uh, the pirate uh, syndrome of, Yar. you know, yes. But yeah, I think in the end, I think the message, like a lot of things, balance, uh, use your common sense. Obviously, if you're doing anything all the time, it's probably not good. But yeah, sugar, you know, in if, moderation. If nothing else, just try to balance out your diet so that you're getting, a, you know, an, a smart amount of vegetables, proteins, proteins etc. If you and want yeah, breads, keep, then go breads. Keep yeah. your sugar uh, stuff. And again, of course, during this holiday season, go crazy. I did. Yes. It was insane. Thanks again to investigative science journalist and best-selling author Gary Tabbs for joining us on today's What If Discussed. If you want more What If, well, why don't you sign up for the What If Explorers Club newsletter? Richard, you're on that. I, I am on there, and I am exploring and checking out the newsletter, and I uh, recommend that you all do, especially going into 2021, some big surprises. There is some big surprises. There was a big surprise uh, that we... Uh, the thing about the What If Discussed newsletter is you can find out what we're doing behind the scenes, which is kind of fun if you're into the show and you and uh, you know watch our videos and you just want to see who the people are mm -hmm. uh, that's kind of neat uh, and and you'll find out what we're working on and one thing that we were working on in December and we finished was our first ever book the what if 100 yeah the what if 100 it's your must-have encyclopedia of imaginations it's a beautiful collection of obviously your 100 favorite scenarios with uh, 
interesting facts, more interesting facts than some of the videos, uh, and some amazing artwork. It's all in good old beautiful print and paper. It's like uh, one of those fancy coffee tables. You yes, use. which uh, which for for some people is the way to go. I personally like to have a nice book, you know, mm. uh, uh, not just to look through, but to feel. But of course, that's not everybody, and a lot of people prefer a digital version, which is also available. Yes, you'll have a digital version you can have and hold on your uh, iPad or on your Samsung phone yes. or uh, wherever you want to store it, and you can uh, keep it forever and ever. Uh, if you want to get it and you want to have a look around at some other items as well that you can buy, branded with the What If logo, uh, go to whatifshow.com. That's whatifshow.com. That's right. Thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, that's it for us for today, and we'll see and hear you next time. Well, we want to hear you. You'll, you'll hear, hear us. We'll see. <laughs> you'll see We'll us. make sure of that. You're going to see us, and you're going to hear us next time on What If Discussed. 